if 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 Task Math uh, works out correctly, this is going to be the latest lost episode. <laughs> True. No. Yeah. Frank, are you recording? Is it actually working? Do you see? I am squiggly. I am lines? recording. I see it working. No, it's happening. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start needing you to like take pictures of your screen, like DoorDash. <laughs> Just so I can verify that it's happening. And if, if Alex walks in, don't panic and pause the recording, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't porn. You don't need to hide this. <laughs> it kind of is. Well, I'm... Plant lads! I'm touching myself. Plant lads. <laughs> oh, wait. The episode's we, we, there. <laughs> we've forgotten our own format. Uh, yeah, we have. I was listening to old episodes like an idiot, and I we we've like for just straight up forgotten about some of the Ditched things. It. I'm Tom. I'm Justin. I'm Frank. And we're Planlets! Yeah. We're... That's it. We're Yeah. No. We're in. Oh. Alright. Alright, now I, I didn't hear we're... the theme music. I usually hear it. You that's only in your imagination, Frank. In, in really? reality, there is no theme music. No, I usually hear it. Are you sure? I don't know. Did you? How many? How many tabs did you take? Oh, uh, I just ripped it down. So, yeah. There we go. That's what I was looking for. La, 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 la. <laughs> or or version two. I forget how that one goes. Plaid lads, my plaid lads, yeah. And then the last version, uh, I don't remember. Who got your There was a, a podcast that I listened to that, as a one-off episode, did a. Uh, a a song by song, track by track recap of uh, "Follow the Leader" by Corn from nineteen ninety seven. Yes, because they were originally supposed to do an episode about going to the Corn reunion concert that was supposed to happen, and then uh, one of the only good things about COVID is the Corn reunion concert never happened. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and it was one of those things where, like, it dawns on you that. This our sort of older brothers, like that year or two older, will always have a much greater fondness for that era of like weird new metal than we will. Because there was like a weird sort of like ah, we were young kids affection I'm, toward that record. I'm eternally grateful that my brother who graduated high school in the year two thousand and who was hmm. like who was like picked on in high school a lot? Yeah, uh, didn't get into new metal. <laughs> didn't get into it. Yeah, I never. I didn't have an older brother, but the what my friend growing up had an older brother that was very into like Corn and Rammstein and like Static X. My 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 older brother took the uh, OK Computer route mm. to teenage angst and uh, the blue pill. As it were. Hmm? The blue pill. <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like... <laughs> Actually, no, it's probably the red pill. 
I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you stare at it long enough, it turns red. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure Greg was into OK Computer at one point in his life. <laughs> Uh, yes, this this random person, Greg. <laughs> Just a guy named Greg. So, speaking of different eras of things, oh, Frank, yes. Frank, you, we had we had some thoughts on Disney Plus's Wandavision. We did have some thoughts on Disney Plus's Wandavision because you had said recently, like the last show that any that everyone watches after Game of Thrones was the Mandalorian, right? Like, yes. And then Disney literally a month after the Mandalorian ends. Sorry guys. Sorry guys. I'm, uh, uh, uh this conversation has, uh, has absolutely nothing to do to me. So I'm just going to, uh, I'm, I'm, you let me know when you're done, but I'm just going to go in the corner and, uh, uh, work on my, uh, just gonna just, (laughs) yeah, there we go. I'll be back. All right. Let me let me know when you're done. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, but yeah, so the last show that everyone watched after Game of Thrones is The Mandalorian, right? 100%. And then a month later, Disney uh, premieres WandaVision. This <laughs> sort of not really a sitcom, but dramedy featuring uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany as uh, their MCU characters. And it's been a huge fucking hit. Everybody's been talking about it, watching it. You and I uh, both really enjoyed it for the most part. Yes. Um, A really fun show. It's fun to watch those two act, including uh, Mm -hmm. Catherine Hahn and all the people in the supporting cast. Fred Melamed, Deborah Jo Rupp, lots of cool Mm -hmm. people. Uh, Randall Park. Is awesome. Yep. So then now the show is over for the season. How do we feel about how the season concluded? Um, my personal thoughts are while I was watching it, while I was watching all of the big things that didn't happen, mm-hmm. all I felt was sorry for Marvel. Yes. Because because I I knew I loved it. Uh, the whole way through but i also saw like oh oh you you shot yourself in the foot a little bit not for (laughs) me but like i don't blame anybody (laughs) i don't blame marvel and i don't blame the fans who expected more but as soon as the evan peters as quicksilver came in i gotta shit their pants yeah i gotta justifiably and i got a text from my brother saying like yeah mutants in uh the mcu and my whole thinking was like "Mm, hold on i i always thought it was like interesting stunt casting and i didn't think it meant anything Um, and you know what you were right and i was wrong yeah and the thing that i was uh was wrong about was uh, Monica Rambeau getting her powers mm. by going back and forth through that. I thought, oh, now that is how they're introducing the Fantastic mutants. Four. Oh no, uh, I was I, I was going to say mutants because I was expecting at the end for her to go supernova and her uh, mm-hmm. bubble encapsulated the whole Earth. 
See, <laughs> and then was brought back, and that's how we get mutants. That's that's better than what I was expecting, which was for like twelve weeks. I was like, this is when Michael Fassman is going to show up with Magneto, <laughs> and he's going to reveal he's your father, like in the comics. And that did not happen. And I was wearing that a, a I was wearing a beanie and licking a lollipop the whole time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the, the thing that caught fire with the show is that it, when it stunt cast Evan Peters, the guy who plays Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men movies as the new Quicksilver in the show, everybody was like, oh, this is Marvel Studios telling the story of their corporate integration with Fox. This is them introducing the Fox characters to their IP. And, like, that is not interesting artistically. It could be fun. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just corporate IP talk. Like, it's them lording their imperialism over the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But at least it would be fun and unexpected. Yes. The thing about this show is it presented these things that were really fun and unexplained and unexpected. And then explained those things away. At every available opportunity. So the idea that, oh, we're introducing the Fox X-Men to this universe. Wait, no, we're not. This guy's just an out-of-work actor who's played by the same guy who plays that character in the other property. Mm -hmm. And uh, poor Paul Bettany stepped in it when he said in an interview, (laughs) oh, there's this great cameo with an actor I've never worked with before, and it's going to be fireworks on the screen. Uh, He was talking about himself. He plays a different version of Vision who interacts with his memory version of Vision. Uh, And everybody was like, oh, they're going to do like the CGI Luke Skywalker cameo at the end of The Mandalorian. Uh, And like it was going to be Magneto or Patrick Stewart. And oh, I wasn't going to do that bullshit. I said goodbye to that character. Fuck you. Fuck (laughs) off. I'm too good for that shit now. I'm doing Picard where beep boop, I'm another robot. (laughs) (laughs) But that didn't happen. And it again explained it away. Magneto wasn't going to show up because we did an episode where we go back into Scarlet Witch's past and you end up seeing her dad. Whoops, he ain't Michael Fassbender and he sure shit ain't Ian McKellen. No Magneto. And so we get to the end of WandaVision, and here is my main disappointment with the show. Mm -hmm. It wholesale ditches its original format, which is like we're adopting sitcoms through the ages. Yeah. And it just becomes another Marvel thing where people are shooting lights at each other. See, I think... I think... uh, uh, A lot of people had way too high expectations. I think... Your expectations are closer to uh, reasonable, mm. but I wasn't disappointed in that because I knew it was coming. Right, because it is it is Disney. They're not. I was very proud of the show for experimenting and doing some weird stuff that you have not seen in like a Marvel movie. But I always knew the the blue lightning in the sky type shit was coming. And so I don't think I was as disappointed. And I, uh, mercifully, they kind of 
all of that nonsense Marvel action they saved for just the last episode. Literally the last episode. Yeah, I I, I think uh, there's a dream world, and even maybe there's enough material that it could be cut into this. But the ideal scenario is there was nothing outside of the hex. We yeah. don't see any of that. It's purely yeah. your POV character is Vision and Wanda figuring out what's going on. I mean, there is some weird stuff that, oh, she randomly um, uh, comes to a spot that has an ancient witch in it. Mm-hmm. And there was no, like, direct connection between the two. It was just... <laughs> um, that, I think, is probably my biggest issue. But even there, it's not that much of an issue because, yeah, we want to bring in Catherine Hahn as this witch. Agatha and I think she's great. Yeah. The, the, I mean, so, again, so Agatha, the other clue, quote-unquote, that they were going to incorporate these Fox characters into the MCU was they had Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness. Agatha Harkness is a character more associated with the Fantastic Four. And then Scarlet Witch and the X-Men. But in the comics, she is uh, Franklin Richards' governess, like his babysitter, basically, to begin with. Mm. So that was a thing where it's like, oh, they're going to introduce a Fantastic Four! But no, they're not doing that. They're going to take their own damn time and introduce these characters in movies when people are going to pay money to go see them again once coronavirus is over. Yeah. Uh, like, the, um, Marvel Marvel did and Disney did what they do, which is while everybody was speculating that, oh, the mutants are going to come into this or, oh, the Fantastic Four are going to come into this. They didn't put it into this. They just announced, hey, we're going to make the Mutants movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and hey, so it's like, it's not as fun as we would want it to be, but we're getting it. So right. everybody just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, final thoughts. Good show. I had a lot of fun with it. I love seeing those two leads act against one mm-hmm. another. I thought they were just... They're really they're great performers. Like that's one thing that Marvel does well is that they paid these great performers like fucking truckloads of money to mm-hmm. do these projects. Um, and it's just I'm happy to see the two of them get work consistently. And I can see you know Catherine Hahn on my television for six weeks, mm-hmm. so that was great. And and I think they were most of the pastiches of the different eras of sitcoms were done incredibly especially malcolm in the middle was my favorite yes that that one was like so fucking spot on spot on on. it was perfect the 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 way that they encapsulated the type of humor Mm -hmm. and the acting style that was on a sitcom like that back then that's something that i think is like it was perfect for like people who are exactly our age yeah because we watched that show and like scrubs and mm-hmm. all of those sitcoms that are exactly in that era of late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, yeah. So we are like uniquely attuned to that era of sitcom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, Tom, Tom. Tim, Tom. Tom we are almost done. Tom, close, close the window. Close the window. Do not get your foot in the window. Tom. Tom. Hey, Tom. Tom, we're done. We're done talking we're about done stupid talking about shit. The comic okay. book thing. 
I will. Tom, we're back. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't jump out the window. But uh, you know, like I was just thinking about Radiohead and high school and all. Were you were you playing fake uh, fake plastic trees and all 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 the bullies and uh, you know. You're gonna get what's coming to you, and uh, I just want to dedicate this one to a uh, to a uh, Ronnie Mole. You you know what you did. <laughs> Karma, police, arrest this dude. He sucks. He sucks at math. Yeah, that's what he's, he sucks at math, right? That's, no, that's that's not what that song's about. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why he's chasing him in the car to run him over because uh, he did his taxes wrong. <laughs> well, I think I I think I did hear about that. You're uh, you're right, Tom. This is what you get. <sighs> Any hoozle. <laughs> thank you, thank you for listening to my uh, to my. Uh, angst gentlemen how was your special I mean, comic book time it, it was fun we we basically came to pretty much the same conclusion that's yeah that's boring yeah, yeah. was it entertaining well, no, for had, the listeners i think so we, i mean we had the same conclusion on the show from the beginning okay okay are those parliaments or palm malls palm mall okay so it's been a year. It has Jesus fucking Christ. Of, of this pandemic, and and it looks like we're coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And that has gotten me uh, feeling nostalgic for like the early pandemic. Yeah, I uh, recently uh, picked back up uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. I did that like mid pandemic or late mm-hmm. pandemic. And uh, I remember back in the early days when there was life was put on pause. And so I'd be up till like four in the morning yep. and then be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to keep riding around Lemoyne, g- g- killing some fucking raiders and uh, throwing, a, game. throwing a white supremacist into a lake to be eaten by an alligator. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then stepping outside at like 6 a.m. with the sun coming up, and that's all life was. This is a great funny, game. That was a- it's funny you mention that because uh, I just recently uh, re-dug out my N64 to start uh, another speed run of Mario 64. and uh, I, I just bought the remake on Switch. Uh, I'm not sure how much the same it, it, it is going to be but like when the pandemic started i uh uh it's <laughs> i dug out my n64 principally because the nhl season had been uh canceled and uh on uh nhl breakaway 97 there was a mode where you could just let the games play themselves and you could watch <laughs> <laughs> i was kind of like <laughs> sadly rocking and your beloved new jersey devils were winning the stanley cup every time Oh yeah, oh yeah, with uh, league MVP uh, Green Jello. That that's a that's a deep <laughs> reference to any fans of that franchise. But um, and I would do that, much like Justin. Uh, you know, 
I, uh, I go for walks a lot and all the parks were either closed or paradoxically crowded to the brim with people so much so that mm-hmm. like, I did not feel safe. Um, yeah. And uh, so I would just walk around my area, my sort of like semi-rural, semi-suburban area, these like long walks along the side of the road that like, this is not a pedestrian friendly region either. It was a little, it was a little chancy and it would take like, no, you're, you're like off of uh 73. Yeah, 70, yeah. 73 route 30, uh, you know, Berlin, New Jersey used to be called long at coming because it's where all the roads converge in South Jersey. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was called longer coming. Cause a lot of guys came for a long time. <laughs> All right. I'm ditching that joke. <laughs> I mean, it's probably true. I mean, uh, the place was basically just a, there was a historical, uh, hotel that all the founding fathers nope. would say nope. it. You ever need to no, parachute Frank. out of a joke halfway through Frank, Frank. Now exactly how long are these guys coming? They're coming for a long time. We're talking like so we're, do- we're talking like thirty seconds, like medically inadvisable. Now is that like a thirty a, a single thirty second? Yeah, rope? we're talking spurts of thirty seconds at a time. If you like, hold on, ready. Ladies and gentlemen, that sideshow Bob rake gagged itself. (laughs) Where it cycled back. (laughs) Let's cut. Let's cut everything before that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not making it to the record. Plan lads. nostalgia for like early pandemic when literally all anyone was doing was like watching tiger king and playing jackbox with people on like skype or zoom and like nobody went to anyone else's house that was such a weird um nebulous space for everybody to be in and we were all sharing this like weird uncertainty about literally just leaving our house and how safe it was to go outside. And Uh, the key thing is that we were all experiencing that, that this was before it was politicized. Right. So we literally, we truly were for a good, maybe month, maybe less unified by the shared experience. And then that's when it it went to shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in the middle of the pandemic, I replayed Red Dead Redemption 2 like Justin did, 
And then I also did The Witcher 3. I started my third playthrough of the game, and then I got to the ending, and I realized that I made a bad story choice somewhere like a third of the way through the game, got the bad ending, turned off the game in the middle of the bad ending, realized that I hadn't reloaded a save since like eight hours before the end game. And then I was like, oh, I'm never playing this game again. I fucked up too badly. Yeah. Uh, and then I got a Switch in December, so I've been playing Breath of the Wild for, you know. Nice. Three nice. hours a I've, day. I, I've had similar things with Red Dead Redemption where I, uh, I've i just been uh, going through the game, uh, shooting people in the face left and right. And then, and then I realized, no, I realized, shit. I don't want the bad ending, so I spend like five days straight walking around <laughs> uh, towns just waving at people <laughs> so that they like me. Not even so, doing the good things in the story that you can do. Literally just, no, just doing the least cost, like time-effective way to do it, which is to wave at people for five hours straight. The yeah, game and- builds you the option to do it faster. It, hey, hey, putting on a smiley face can uh, uh, overshadow lots of terrible, terrible things. Much Just like be coronavirus. Nice people. Yes. Speaking of putting on a smiley face. Ah. I've been having a problem in my apartment for the last, like, month. Ah. And in the middle of the night, I will look over into the corner... And I'll see these shapes Mm. like in the corner of my apartment and they were terrifying. And the only way I got over my fear is I walked over to the shapes Uh and the shapes that I saw were this popcorn bag and this soda cup and this box of candy and a hot dog. (laughs) And I can make out the faintest sound that they were singing in the corner of my apartment so much as they were making their nightly death march i want to shoot you in the fucking face and then wave at tom for a while (laughs) from one corner to another i heard them sing you know what i heard them sing it's weird plaid let's go to the movies oh Plaid lads go to the movies. Huh? Plaid lads go to the movies. This one has Eddie Murphy. That's right. Jesus. Fuck, Frank. (laughs) That was like... That was longer than my fucking uh, <laughs> half minute come fest and somehow more excruciating. Uh, so, yeah, we watched 2021's Coming to America. Two. Two. Numero Doso. Uh, and, uh, starring Eddie Murphy and basically the whole crew from the classic mm-hmm. 1980s. I mean, there's heart. There's hardly any Arsenio. Well, I will say, though, like, he's in... So, everyone who wrote that script came back, which I think is a Mm -hmm. fault. 
The only mm. person from the crew who like didn't come back in a major way was the original director, John Landis. Mm. Which is like both a detriment and also a positive because John Landis is a scumbag. Yeah. Now I I I, I don't think we're gonna be talking much uh, linearly through this, so let's let's just get a, a quick idea of where everybody's at. Uh, in terms of this movie. Frank, you uh-huh. go first. Uh, yeah, when it cut to footage of Leslie Jones raping Eddie Murphy, that's when I wanted to throw my computer into the river. Okay, so my original plan was to, uh, whatever way you went on it, I was going to go the opposite way just to uh, frustrate <laughs> you. But because you're deciding to attack this film's many, many ethical <laughs> vulnerabilities, <laughs> I don't really have a choice here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of no, like the- this uh, movie. The whole plot kind of revolves around, uh, you know, rape. <laughs> yep. Um, now it's Justin's turn. I liked it. Oh, no! No! I, 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 I had, I had a, for the most part, uh, enjoyable experience. This is a bad movie. <laughs> 100%. This is a bad movie. I'm going to take us through the plot a little bit. And this is point number one of how this is a bad movie. Uh Any single one of these premises would have made a good sequel, but they decided to use all of the premises. Premise number one. Okay. Um, The the king dies. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Leaving Eddie Murphy to take over the reins as the new king. That's because bear in mind, the original movie, he's like 20 years old. Well, he's 20 years old. And the original movie um, is kind of plotless and much more vignette oriented. Yeah. And I and and I think it works so beautifully that way. Yeah. The original movie, we should say, is a fucking classic. And I think all three of us probably like it. I I saw it for the first time only recently. And it's great. It's great. It's super lovely and um, sweet, but also like a little dirty. It's it has it's a great. bite to it. That, so the original, we'll get to it. But the original movie is R rated. Yes, this is not, and you can feel it. So that's that's a thing that I recognized about the movie, and I found it fascinating. But it makes it bad. Is that? This is Eddie Murphy after at least a decade of his last like big um, period of making movies was all family movies. Uh-huh. It was Daddy Daycare, shit like that. Which Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion, Pluto Adventures Nash. of Pluto Nash. And there, there is a charm to that, but... It feels kind of gross in this movie of you're taking like Eddie Murphy at his prime and coming to America Mm -hmm. and mixing that in with his like family friendly stuff. And it just leaves the movie. I mean, (laughs) this is a kid's movie, except that there are jokes about sleeping with the the washers and as you said uh rape <laughs> yes and and like oral sex like hidden oral sex 
Mm-hmm. This, this so what I wanted to say about this movie is that this movie is a study in profound disconnects. Mm. The original Coming to America came out like 32, 33 years ago, like late 80s, probably, maybe even mid 80s. Um, mm-hmm. I think 88. Um, and obviously it was filmed on actual film. And it was made mm. by John Landis, who is a piece of shit, but he's a good hand as a director. You know, he knows how to set up shots and 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 sort of make a movie. And he especially knew how to direct comedy because he started with comedy. Um, this movie is shot entirely on digital. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that I didn't need to see, and I like the man, he's very funny. And he's good on that show, Baskets. But one thing I didn't need to see was hyper-realistic, overlit digital shots of Louis Anderson, where you can see the makeup that's kind of caked on his face, and he's looking real old. Yeah. And then there's a lot of handheld, shaky camera work going on, too, which doesn't fit the milieu of a sort of studio comedy, which is this what this is going for. And everything looks very fake and plasticky. And it's so sort of HD and overlit that you can see the pancake on people's faces, almost like you can see the makeup. And then the script is a sort of PG-13 version of the broad comedy that they used to go for, because this uh, movie was written by the same people who wrote the original, including Justin Barry Blaustein. Who made a movie that you and I have seen that we have to subject Tom to Beyond the Mat <laughs> for this podcast? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. One of the screenwriters of this movie made that. So there's a disconnect between the style of filmmaking that we have for this movie, the way that the script is written, as if it's kind of an offshoot of the movie that came out like maybe two or three years later, like a PG 13 sequel in like 93 mm. or 94. That maybe went direct to video. And the way it's shot, which is this very like modern, cheap way of shooting things. And that sort of cognitive dissonance, that disconnect, makes it a very unsettling viewing experience, I find. Like you have mm. jokes about how Wesley Snipes fucking kingdom is called Next Doria. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I was gonna Google whether or not that was canon from the original, but it's not. I'm gonna die someday, so I decided not yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, your your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um uh I don't know about you guys, but uh when the movie first kicked off, I'm like, it's happening. This might be good. Uh but then about three hours in, <laughs> I started realizing it wasn't gonna pan out. The movie's not three hours. Uh, I think the movie. Yeah, it is wait. It is too long. Oh yeah, it's no, very no, no. long. It's, it's it's very long, and uh, I think this movie has kind of an invisible relationship, uh, with um Black Panther, because yes, a lot of the plot beats are nigh identical. Uh, you uh, and I've always and this was one of the ways that I sold the original movie to Justin to convince him to watch it, which is that like, 
I didn't realize this when it was just on Comedy Central a million times a year and I watched it, the neutered edited for TV version. But uh, yeah. something that went over my head as a kid is that there's uh, two speaking roles for white people in the original, and that's Louis Anderson yep. and the, the Louis Anderson, the, the lady at the Western Union, and and yeah. Stetler and Waldorf. But um, uh, that it's kind of like this, like joyous, beautiful, all black, eh, pseudo African, you know, fake African kind of thing. This kind of vision of like a magnificent and prestigious uh, African country that's very dignified and stately. Um, you know, I didn't realize as a kid that like the, the, the huge dance sequence at the arranged marriage was not really, it wasn't a gag. It was just actually impressive and uh, kind of great. Um, uh. But anyway, uh, so it, in, in that way, it kind of predates uh, Wakanda uh, in sort of uh, not Afrofuturism, but just sort of, um uh, uh uh oh just uh reimagined african greatness um yeah put, because put a, zamunda uh, the the kingdom that he's from even in the original film is imagined as wealthy like supremely wealthy uh, and like one of the things about the original movie is that they have to become accustomed to living poorly yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the whole the whole shtick of it, and um, and they kind of abandoned that, except for like one fan service gag at the end where he goes back to the kitchen of the McDowell's. Um, but um, which was which was funny. I, I just want to throw out that there are a lot of funny, a lot of really funny stuff in this movie, and that's why I did ultimately come on the side of liking it because. Anytime they're in the barbershop, it's hilarious. Um, and I had to relook at some scenes from the original, but um, Eddie Murphy as the main character is is so very like um, in in coming to America. Um, he just seems sleepy. <laughs> yes, he's he's not and, doing the accent the same. He seems like less engaged. Yeah. But whenever he's playing any other characters, when he's when he's the singer at the end, um, the whole everybody in the barber shop, it's all hilarious. It's they've still got it, but they there's just way too much other shit in there. Um, I want to oh uh, I wanted to go back real quick to the Black Panther thing. This movie came about because Ryan Coogler. Uh, director of Black Panther, Creed, Fruitvale Station, um, had an idea for a sequel to Coming to America, and he pitched it to Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy said, oh, a sequel to Coming to America. I don't like your idea. <laughs> I'm going to do, do my own stupid thing. Uh, just imagine Ryan, Ryan Coogler's version of this. Probably a lot better. It would be fucking amazing. Probably a lot better. So, yeah, I, I think this movie has a weird invisible relationship with Black Panther because, like, the plot beat of the lost American heir to the throne, uh, the the mm -hmm. king dying, a conflict with a, another regional power within within the the rich land. Um, I think Martin Freeman was in it at one point. Uh, <laughs> But also, I think no. another another movie that it kind of imitates to the detriment of 
movies everywhere is the Star Wars sequels. Uh, yeah. In that it undoes what happened in the original, and then they have to redo it. They basically just rehash the plot of he wants to marry for love, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy, whose whole plot arc in the first one is that he breaks this stodgy state old kingdom away from this uh, patriarchal uh, uh, marriage for duty kind of system to sort of a more modern, loving, less classist system. That all gets undone. It has to be redone kind of like two thirds of the way through the film. They set up this entire concept with the with the son and the, and the hairdresser. Uh it's yep. really crappy, and uh, th- the biggest thing I really dislike about this movie is uh, what they did to uh, the queen, the wife, because mm-hmm. you kind of, like, he met her at a community meeting where she's organizing a charity for the thing. She's kind of like this self-sufficient modern woman who doesn't want to be told what to do. Her whole arc in the original is that she doesn't want to marry Dr. Benton from ER, and uh, She's not going to go along with something like that. And I I always just assumed that her whole deal was that she was going to be like a princess die, uh, uh, the people's queen kind of American Meghan Markle type to uh, go over there and shake things up. And I thought we were going to come back to find her in a smart pantsuit running a charity to help uh, build Africa up. Instead, she's like this invisible mute character who's only played for gags where it's like... They play her for gags where she loses all of her sort of like like common American dignified character and yet they simultaneously forget that she is also from Queens and she and Leslie Jones right. o- only realize that they're both from Queens like four fifths of the way through the film. It's just, yeah. Which, once again though, by the way, them two together, I found very funny. I, I agree with structurally... And the writing, for the most part, in this movie is is bad. But all of all of the the little set pieces are hilarious. Now, hilarious. I, I was. I, I don't I, know. I think I think very funny. I, I I don't think like compared to the original, it's it's yeah. it's pure trash. Like like any of these uh, uh, requels. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of trash, it, but I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it shouldn't exist. I, I think there's a, a lot of really funny things in it, but once, once again, I'm just, let me just, I'm going to run down all of the, the plots real quick. One, he's taking over as King Two, he suddenly has a secret son three, an outside force played by Wesley Snipes, who I found Delightful. delightful he's great uh come coming in and trying to uh start shit and his daughter uh uh deserves to be the next queen so that's like four or five sing if <clears throat> single premises that this movie should have picked one because that's what the original was. Right. It was a single premise. He's a um, uh, he, a man who lives in luxury who who wants to like to just wants comedy. to marry for love. Yeah, it's it's simple. It's elegant. It's beautiful. This is it's, it's way too much. But and like mm-hmm. also 
the comedy came from in the original that sort of culture shock, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have that a second time around because he's already come to America the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, like, it, and they set up the thing where the son and Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan, who was amazing. I have to, yeah, Tracy yes, Morgan was he's fantastic. Great. He's a hilarious, actor. very funny. I you think know. everybody is great and hilarious in this, except for like the main new kids. <laughs> Who did fine? I also agree that Arsenio Hall took a backseat. Arsenio Hall took a backseat. Though, was he the the old woman at the beginning? He was. The terrifying... That was a great addition. Yeah. (laughs) Very unsettling. (laughs) I mean, everyone was great in it. All the pieces were there. It's just there were too many pieces, and they were trying to do too much, and then they tried to shoehorn Mm. in Marvel movie-esque action sequences that were only played (laughs) for gags because they... They had zero stakes because it's a little kid fighting a grown man, and obviously you can't oh, yeah. have the grown man beat up the little kid. Yeah. Now, l- answer me this, because I, I was a little high when I watched this, and I found it confusing. Now, um, Wesley Snipes... As if once- the two of us weren't. <laughs> Wesley Snipes uh, uh, is aggressive, and he wants and has his daughter piece. to... Yes. Um, his introduction with the guy introducing him was hilarious. It was pretty no, it was not hilarious. It was okay. It was funny. But um, his whole deal is he wants uh, uh, power. He wants his daughter to marry uh, the son. Now, um, this issue is resolved when um, Eddie Murphy's daughter kicks him in the balls and now everything's fine? Yes, yeah. correct. Is it, correct. Did I did I miss anything? No, no you correct. got it. That was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That I is what know. happened. I, yeah, any, any one of those would be great. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you've got the son from Queens who's Killmonger. You've got the daughter who's... Uh, uh, well, that that's that opening that's, shot was very Black Panther when you like do the CGI crane shot. I, I thought I thought the same thing, but isn't that isn't that how the original starts too? It is, but it's not CGI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the defining disconnect. Is but everything looks cheaper and worse. Now, um, speaking of that, once again, though, Ryan Coogler's initial plan, he was going, I don't, we don't know what the plot was, but he was going to have Michael B. Jordan in it. Uh, Well, it would have been better. It would have been an amazing, it would have been fucking great because uh, Eddie Murphy, if you've seen him in the past few years, still hilarious, still great. Uh, If you haven't watched it, watch Dolomite is my name. Great movie. He's incredible at it. Yeah, but if you've seen anything else, like he when he was on like the SNL thirty year thing, he and if you hear anything about him, he's not an asshole, but he is. He's not uh, nice. everything I've heard is he's yes, and he's like out of touch. Yeah, like he's like one of those most successful people ever that he doesn't r- know what makes him great, and so when he is in creative control uh, not the best he really needed somebody else with a strong vision coming in he needed an editor yeah yeah 
someone to edit his ideas and sort of because I think it was his conception of the movie that made him go, oh, I'm going to bring back Barry Blaustein. I'm going to bring back the original screenwriters. Like, mm-hmm. we'll just get the gang back to fucking gather and redo it. Which, which I mean, especially nowadays, especially post Black Panther, if they had gotten a new up and coming young uh, black filmmaker who wanted to take the inspiration that coming to America had for people like you listen to Ryan Coogler and he will tell you that coming to America straight up inspired uh, some of black Panther. And if you had that joy and reverence uh, toward the material, it, it, it could have been <laughs> the best movie of, of the year. So I just thought of something. Best movie of the year. I, I'm gonna. I'm saying it with a different filmmaker and yeah. a different film entirely. But like, it it could have been such a wonderful celebration. You know so, what I mean? So I just I just thought of something, and it kind of goes in line with that, which is there was one character missing from this film, and we've talked about this in the early days of the pod. We used to talk about this like every other episode. There was a character missing from this movie that was in the original, and that character was a little lady called New York City. Yes. New York, yes. Coming to America is one of those great late uh, 20th century, 70s, 80s, New York City comedies. Uh, and the character of New York City, it, was, it, was, it wasn't Eddie Murphy comes to America. It was Eddie Murphy comes to Queens, you know, mm-hmm. and, and New York City more broadly. That's what made it great. And they had... An opportunity because basically the 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 bar napkin cigarette pack synopsis of this film is coming to america backwards uh, yes. uh first one africa comes to new york second one uh new york goes to africa and they had an opportunity to make africa and i know it's fake africa it's just some you don't know if it's west africa or lake state or you know some freaking place but they could have flushed that out a little. And they had some African actors and they had some African influence and they could have come up with just the broadest possible thing of what sort of a pan-African joyous positive representation where where watching a, uh, a not well-to-do but kind of a jaded New York City city slicker trying to slot themselves into a broader African context that could have been the source of the tension and the humor in the movie and Africa could have been the star much in the same way that New York city was the star of the original. Uh, and I, I think that was a huge missed opportunity because it all happened in this fake CGI palace that was in uh, studio city, California. Um, yeah. The low point of this film, apparently I forget what it was. It may have been Eddie Murphy's backyard. The low point of the film, there's a scene where they're walking in out in the, the plains of Africa and it is clearly somebody's backyard with terrible CG like giraffes in the background. It's, it's somebody's backyard and they do this now. They will take a fucking green screen into someone's backyard point a camera at it and then just cgi something into the background yeah it was truly truly awful (laughs) yep no this movie looked in particular like that's my biggest gripe with this movie 
is it looks mm. like shit. It it doesn't look great. It looks really bad. Mm-hmm. But once again, I think we're wrapping up uh, talk on this, but I think all of every, <clears throat> that's what it is. Everything you want from uh, a coming to America movie, you're getting it. And and I think it's Are all you getting done it though? Because really. I wanted, I wanted laughs and I didn't get the laughs. I got Leslie Jones raping Eddie Murphy. <laughs> that, that's true. That, you that's, did. Yeah. I, I, I'll say this. I think that did look very well. The, <laughs> the, the blending. No, but the blending of like Leslie Jones and stuff into the original coming of to America. Oh and yeah, like yeah, the, that, that CGI stuff. Yeah, or that not stuff, CGI, think, but um, uh, yeah. the way that they intercut that footage. Yeah, I think that was pretty pretty seamless. Yeah, I I've I don't know about you guys, but I was so hoping that they were going to pull a Chappelle show and just have modern Eddie Murphy walking through the club in 1984. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really, really hoping. And I know that's because Charlie Murphy that been did a the lot funnier. What's that? That would have been a lot funnier if that had happened. Also, it wouldn't have given me the fucking uh, crisis of, oh, deep fake technology coming soon uh, to destroy oh, our uh, comprehension of reality. Uh, yeah. Uncanny Valley glitching my brain. It would have been much funnier just to see wrinkled, uh, fat old Eddie Murphy uh, <laughs> pretending to be himself back in his uh, leather jumpsuit had, days. I think this movie is a masterpiece. But if they had the Irishman, Eddie Murphy, mm. like current Eddie Murphy, but with like CGI, his face like smoothed, I think that would have been better. <laughs> Uh, or if they had just gotten like Donald Glover or some somebody else just to pretend to be Eddie Murphy doing a really bad impression. Yeah. No. He, uh, I mean, uh, a last problem too, though, is the um, what's Eddie Murphy's character's name? Prince. Damn. Prince. Prince. Akeem. Anyway, Prince Akeem. Prince Akeem. Uh, Prince Akeem. Yeah. Uh, King Akeem um, uh, King Akeem. Um, his character is such a pleasant, nice, uh, uh, medium temperature main character. Yeah, very much that so. When, when he's a side character in this, he's nothing. He's, uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's... There's no real charisma, Eddie Murphy charisma to the character because that's the point of the character. He's supposed to be the straight man. And so when he's a side character to everyone else, uh, it didn't work so well. But I mean, like once again, like Morgan Freeman's eulogy (laughs) at the still living is great. It's very funny. (laughs) It's funny until you remember that Morgan Freeman got me too'd. Oh, God, yes, of of course. <laughs> I, I did enjoy the angle of all the uh, uh, pseudo black royalty coming into it mm. from from all yes. decades. Uh, that was fun. That was uh, fun. It's a well cast movie. 
it's just also just like some of the directing, just some of the comic beats were just like, they just fell flat and not to take a microscope to this thing, but like, uh, 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 I am Mufasa. What's my name? Uh, play jazz, Lisa. Uh, you're watching CNN. What's his name? James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. I was waiting for you to get to the name of one of the most famous actors who ever lived, and I wasn't going to give it to you, but you kept losing it. I was never going to get it, Frank. I was just going to name every role he's ever had. Every famous role he's ever had. Was he Bleeding Gums Murphy? He was Bleeding Gums Murphy. No, he wasn't. No, I think it was somebody different. That was he was bleeding gums Murphy. He wasn't bleeding gums Murphy. No, you're confusing. Um, there is a scene where Mufasa, Darth Vader, and and everyone come up uh, as clouds, and bleeding gums Murphy is one of them. And that it, those are James Earl Jones, but bleeding gums. I think bleeding isn't. gums Murphy was uh, Harry Shearer. I think so. You're yeah. you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. Speaking of dead wrong, uh, his death it could have been played for laughs more. And yes, the submerged yeah. guy performing Conolingus. Just the timing in all these bits—they just lacked. Yeah, it was all. La- Here's what it is: it's because the, this movie is sentimental, and what the original movie was not was sentimental. The original movie had tremendous heart. And was very sweet and and a really beautiful movie, but it was not sentimental. And that's what happens like with New a York lot City? of City. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's what happens with a lot of these uh, uh, like older comedians. They're getting older. They have grandkids. They themselves are getting sentimental. They go soft. Yeah, they go soft, and and that hurts this movie in particular that that it is so soft for instance like in the stick fight with the baddies versus the the squad of three uh uh martial arts princesses with their bow staffs i thought which again was like the most black panther influenced yeah thing yeah I, i thought the way they should have handled that because it was awkward watching big muscly men fight tiny children uh, I thought the way they should have handled that was like, uh, one of the big guys uh, sees the little girl challenging him, and he's like, ha ha ha, what's this? And then he kind of like, I will get up, kicked like, in fine. the balls. And then she comes up and just goes, whack, 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 right in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, would be a Simpsons joke, and it would be better. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Oh, come on. You know he's going to do something really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we should do a Simpsons podcast. (laughs) I want to go to Mount Splashmore. Take me, take me, take me, take me now. I, I was listening to old episodes, and you know what this podcast is? Us trying to talk about literally anything, but some fucking oppositional, defiant, cognitive fucking issue that we all have, forcing all of us to instead talk about either Star Trek, or Home Improvement, or The Simpsons. 
even like home improvement. No one does. <laughs> uh, more power. Uh, more power. <laughs> I give this uh, movie the, what, 6,100 Wilson. stars. I'm, I'm the Wilson of this podcast. <laughs> Was that the neighbor's name on Home Improvement? Yeah, Wilson. Was it? Jesus. I don't remember. <laughs> no, we're not doing this. <laughs> so, so uh, in conclusion, uh, no, I'm, I'm the Mimi of this podcast. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I date Drew Carey's cross-dressing brother. <laughs> anyway, by John Carroll Lynch. Funnier than anyone's anyway. on this movie. In in conclusion. <laughs> In conclusion, I, this I was liked, unwatchable trash. I, I I liked it. I think uh it was I'm getting a call. Jesus. Uh it, it was professional, too long, bro. Unprofessional. You airplane. It, it was that too long. It was too long. It was too sentimental. Uh it was too uh complicated uh complex in, in all directed. the plotting. But there's a lot of really funny stuff in this movie. I think Jesus Christ, stop fucking calling me Vineland. <laughs> oh, so, sorry. Anyway, sorry, oh, I've, been, I've actually been getting a ton of calls from South Jersey, like robocalls based out of the yeah. quote, South Jersey. Yeah, we're we're the new Macedonia of the world. We're we're the robocall yeah. capital. Everybody from the fucking Philippines is using those area codes. <laughs> I love you, Justin. Anyway, I, I, I give it like a It's like a C minus. It's uh, zero stars. It fucking sucked. Never watch it. Two two stars. I gave uh, one. I gave it one star on my letterboxed. Even even I have to kind of capitulate that like I would watch this on an airplane. I'll put it that way. Oh yeah, no. If you're on an I mean, airplane, yeah. it, it wasn't you, the the options are this. And like some Sitting weird like direct to video thoughts. Steven Seagal movie. Or like yeah. a Pixar movie. You're, oh, you're giving too many you're giving too many options, Frank. No, uh yeah. I'd 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 watch this. Um it's it was okay. You know, it the, my biggest problem is that it had all of the schmaltzy sentimentality of which none was earned. Uh, the right. relationship between the son and the hair lady. I, I also the biggest and, you know, I'm white. So who, who am I to say this? But I feel like the biggest thing that this film did wrong is that it undid what I assumed kind of a thing of the first one was, which it just it just showed it was like the first one was this a comedy that was replete with black and African dignity and aspiration. And instead of it was about changing times and modernizing this old rich kingdom and it was about the the, the goodness of the american spirit and, uh, and and the honor and dignity of that in in black america and in, instead of the queen being this you know humanitarian leader she gets called uppity <laughs> You know, yep. uh, in, in, instead of Zumunda being modernized, we find out women are like second class citizens to the utmost. Uh, yep. It just kind of like all of 
like that that's part of what made coming to america so special and, and why it like occupied such a beautiful place in people's hearts and uh it was all played for laughs in this one which worked to an extent uh it was kind of funny watching tracy morgan slapping down semi uh he was pretty funny uh but yeah that, that that's you know beside its foibles as an actual comedy in a film uh sort of its broader contextual uh legacy it kind of and that's why i say it's like the star wars sequels it kind of undoes what the first one did and replaces it with uh the same thing but worse it would only be like the star wars sequels if the second one was the best star wars movie and everything before and after was terrible also james earl jones is in both of these james yeah james earl jones james no, no, earl no, no, jones is actually that's, in fucking tom, rise that's, of skywalker Tom, that's uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy is in Star Wars. Also, Eddie Murphy played C-3PO. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Arsenio Hall was Kylo Ren, and I thought it was weird. (laughs) He's pretty Uh, old, but he was playing this guy who was making out with Daisy Ridley the whole time. (laughs) Did you know they're uh, remaking White Man Can't Jump? (laughs) They're making a sequel called... Uh, <laughs> When's the last time you saw that movie? Pretty pretty recently, actually. It's really good. It is. It's great. We should have watched yeah. that instead. It's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. story. And like you think, you think it's going to be about Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez, but no, it's the love story of Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Yeah, no, it's it's a great movie, guys. Wesley Snipes is a fucking treasure. Yeah, he's he's an incredible actor. He's fucking great. So I agree. He, back, he shouldn't pay back taxes. When, <laughs> yeah. He should not pay taxes. Do, do you know his response to what he was uh, he was talking to like people behind the scenes <laughs> from a, a, a while filming a different movie, and his line was "Blade doesn't pay taxes." <laughs> Like God, God fucking bless you, oh, Wesley Snipes. What an incredible man! <laughs> what an amazing thing to say. And that reminds uh, me of, of one of the best bits in Thirty Rock, where uh, Liz Lemon <clears throat> settles on the Englishman by the name of Wesley Snipes. Yes, uh, and she she rolls her eyes, and he goes, "Close your eyes and imagine a man named Wesley Snipes." <laughs> You're gonna picture me. <laughs> <laughs> uh have you have you turned the corner on 30 rock again yet because it's a great show and i think you were no i mean it's it's problematic elements run pretty much throughout although it does get a little better tracy jordan becomes less of a clown in the in the later seasons it, it's problematic elements are kind of endemic to it, it i think you and i have talked about this before it was always funny when tina fey got trotted out as like a woke yeah, person when like her comedy is very yeah she was uh, regressive reactionary <laughs> like regressive and reactionary yeah I mean uh, and and th- I think it's one of the biggest cognitive dissonances for people when they realize that uh, and you know I, I'm not I'm not saying this in any kind of grand way but she was never on our side to begin with people just convinced mm-hmm. themselves that she was this no, paragon. She's from fucking Upper Derby. She's probably a Republican. 
or at least her parents was. I think her dad was a cop. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's. She's from Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Like people, conv- people convinced themselves that she was more liberal than she was, right? And then right. she just carried on being herself, and people did the Pikachu face meme. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, coming to America. <laughs> Bad movie. Don't watch it. Watch, watch Beyond it the Map instead, which we should do next but, month. But I, I, I went on Google Earth and I typed in Zamunda, and uh, I it actually came up, which was very surprising to me. And I, I was zooming in, mm-hmm. and I, I saw like a cloud of smoke, and I zoomed in, and I saw the cloud of smoke was being made by a safari going across the uh, mm-hmm. Sahel plains of Africa. And mm-hmm. I, I saw this uh, in mm-hmm. the group. The satellite images are really strong uh-huh. now. And I saw some tourists mm-hmm. and I saw some gazelles. But then I, I saw this uh-huh. man with this absurdly large head. This this large alabaster oh. noggin. Oh, as no. if would you describe it as an Easter Island head? I would describe no. it very much as an <sighs> Easter Island head. And... Uh, you know, he was he was in a rush, and I could... It's a satellite image, but I could tell his feet were uncomfortable because he was trying to get some to some sort of rally because his name was... Oh, no. No, guys, you know who that was? Oh, shit. Who was it, Justin? Who was it? I kept... I kept What's his name? What I kept getting those... Name? I kept getting those calls. I shouldn't have ignored them. He is a long way from the Space Needle. Dr. Fraser Crane is being rewarded for doing his job. He has done 1,000 episodes, but in reality, the show, it was 100 episodes. They had a zero. Anyway, he is Dr. Fraser Crane Day. He wants a day because he's so full of himself, and but he's also humble, and he's saying, I don't need anything, but you can, if you want to do it, and he plans the day for Dr. Fraser Crane, and then, but shenanigans, he can't get to the Space Needle, and... But right. then at the end of the episode, I cried. Frasers season five, episode five, the thousandth episode, aka Doc Frasier Crane Day. <laughs> Justin was running out of air <laughs> at the end. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this is a weird would you guys call episode. This a, would you guys call this a classic episode? It is a classic episode in the sense that it is a classic 90s episode, yes. sitcom episode where they go mm-hmm. to Disney World, except this is Frasier, so so it's Seattle. Yes. Well, they they switch from the multicam format to a single camera. Which I had this thought. Do you think this show would work that way? Like a more modern... Well, they're doing it. S- they are, but I'm assuming they're gonna. Here's, I immediately had the thought that what Frazier's gonna walk in. It's gonna, they're gonna do it uh, uh, in a studio, and he's going to insist that the crowd gives him a standing ovation. Kelsey Grammer <laughs> is going to insist on a two minute standing ovation while he does the B. Arthur stare at the cam- look at the camera thing. <laughs> Rose, why are you yelling at me, Rose? <laughs> That's him doing the B. Arthur thing. 
This was a weird episode. Uh, it was, but and like, there's a lot of stuff to talk about in it, though. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty enjoyable. It's it's fun seeing them run around Seattle between like all actual points. Seattle instead of like the soundstage mm-hmm. in California that they shoot on. And I think it really kind of illustrates uh, the kind of juxtaposition between imaginary Seattle and Fraser and what Seattle's actually like. Like, mm-hmm. Seattle's the town of, like, grunge and, uh, you know, Microsoft. And, you know, it's kind of ruddy and cruddy and uh, bohemian. And Fraser's kind of like this high society guy. And Justin, I feel like this might be apocryphal. This might be something you used to make up before you knew I would Google it to see if it was true or not. But didn't you once tell me that... <laughs> something Justin would do. <laughs> didn't you once tell me oh, yeah. that in the 90s, uh, Seattleites were so disappointed that no high society type stuff as portrayed in Frasier actually did exist in Seattle, that they actually created a society to kind of uh increase the snooty cultured uh cachet of the town you're you were fucking lying to me weren't you you say i mean uh, that that sounds like something i would say i will say so there is a subplot in this episode which is super 90s which is daphne is meeting her greek friend xena and they have to go across the state border but Daphne's uh, green card has expired, so she can't cross the border legally. Um, and her friend is also from Greece, so she can't cross the border legally. Her friend's name is Xena. Uh, they are both, quote-unquote, aliens, which is like the actual yes. legal term for immigrants, technically, from another country. But she approaches the then-actual mayor of Seattle, um... Did you guys know Rice. that? Yeah, yeah, Rice. Mayor Rice of Seattle. Uh, she was like, oh, my friend Zine, she's another alien. And... <laughs> you know- I got it, Frank. I got it, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? She, oh, you're going to help me then? Well, I should have known that because, you know, I'm a bit psychic. I'm a bit psychic. <laughs> We're going to go Jesus. to our mothership. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> this, this poor woman, Jane Leaves, whose work we've all enjoyed. <laughs> We're just making fun of. I'm not making fun. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I, I was, at, I was I think- re-watching late period Frasier where her brother shows up. Played <laughs> by Anthony LaPaglia, who's from Australia. And he does a London accent, even though her family is canonically from Manchester. Listen, listen, listen. Bothers Stay on me. target. Stay on target. Uh, so this- I, 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 I think that scene, I think that scene with the mayor is the best scene in the episode. It's it's very funny. Kind of. Although it's- it does have these subplots where like Frasier gets Niles' latte spilled on his shoes, and Niles is super jealous that Frasier has his own day. And there's a subplot mm-hmm. where the waiter at Cafe Nervosa never remembers Niles' order, has uh, cinnamon instead of nutmeg, because Niles is l- allergic to nutmeg, and he spills his latte onto Fraser's shoes. Fraser goes into the shoe shop where he tries on every shoe in the store, which makes him late, 
for the thing at the Space Needle. Then they get mugged, and there's this whole sort of subplot where Niles is like, of course I'm jealous of you, my older brother, who is on the radio and more famous than I am. So this whole episode, uh, as evidenced by that scene with the mayor and by evidenced by the uh, song at the end, credits bit, where it's Frasier actually singing the song at the actual rally, is kind of... We'll get to kind it. Of Coked like, out of his fucking mind. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll uh, get to is, it. The whole episode is kind of reacting to the fact that this rally actually happened in Seattle. It did. Mm. Like the whole plot with Daphne was shoehorned into that moment with the mayor because that was the whole point of the whole plot was to have the mayor integrated into the episode in a humorous way. Uh, so mm. that's why it was kind of janky. The whole the whole thing of them going around town was janky because they were shoehorning the fact that they were actually in Seattle, um, and there so, was actually a Fraser Crane rally, which is really fucking weird when you think about it. <laughs> it's, and it's, they it's, had it's, fucking Kelsey Grammer singing, yeah, with that barbershop quartet in the background. <laughs> the most nineties thing that has ever occurred. <laughs> but it's easy, fellas. Did you catch the date? On is Fraser it, uh, yes. Day. Y- yes. <laughs> it was September 11th, 1997. <laughs> four, oh boy. Four years before. Like, you could picture Kelsey Grammer be like, oh, I'm getting this psychic vision. No, four years in the no. future. No, no. What, what they should have done, what should have been, was they should have canonically made September 11th Fraser Crane Day. And then they should have had an episode after actual 9-11 where Frasier quietly and bitterly eats the fact that, uh, and that, that sheepishly, they're all sitting around the television set and Martin's like, well, I remember I was in New York City one time and I, I was really amazed by how tall those buildings were. Oh, and I've always thought of coming to New York City. I always pictured Christ. that skyline. And Frasier sheepishly looking at his, playing with his fingers and looks down and goes, well, you know, uh, I was afraid to uh, mention this, but uh, and it seems uh, completely silly now, but uh, uh, September the 11th, uh, mm? <laughs> it's my day, Fraser Crane day. Oh, no, I'm here now, too. I'm dating him two years later. All right, uh, 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 this my- is a good time. Frank, uh, <laughs> Frank, keep that up. I'm, I'm going to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's talk about, uh, so I'm not sure if you ever watched, um, the episode of Wings that Fraser was on that we oh, were going to review. Planes, trains, and passing cranes or whatever. And, and I feel like this episode had something in common with that one, which was- Where this Fraser was a, is a villain the entire yeah, episode. He's a cartoonishly terrible asshole. The yeah. Entire, he's stupid. He's vain. He's, uh, cruel. That Wings episode, that is something worth talking about because it's what you get when a different writing staff gets a hold of a character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, clearly this writing staff that was not writing Cheers or Frasier, they were writing their own show at the time, was like, okay, here's our version of Fraser Crane's character. He's a fucking monster to everyone on this show. He, he, he even dresses different? Like, uh... yeah. That's, but, uh, that's a good episode. I th- 
think to answer a question posed at the top of the segment, I think the comedy of Frasier could work single cam. I don't know if it can work in single cam. I'm excited to see what they do with the show. And we're obviously going to cover it. Oh, it's going to be dog shit. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. Whenever it's it comes suck out. So fucking hard. Uh, but maybe it won't. No, it, it will. will be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to be the coming to America of Frasier. Yeah, exactly. God, I hope not. Well, actually, do you know what I think was the coming to America of Frasier? What's that? That Dr. Pepper commercial from like 2010. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Where fucking Lilith calls him at the end. It's like, who knew what the show was by that point in time? Nobody. Well, I was good. I was going to say this earlier. It is very easy to forget because Frasier is so good yes. and unique that it was a huge show. Yeah. Gigantic yeah, was- show. The biggest show on television. Yeah, and so that's why they do did have a Fraser Crane Day in Seattle. Yeah, because it was a smash hit. It won like more. It won a, a record number of Emmys mm-hmm. for its category. More than Seinfeld. I heard. Uh, I heard that they cast. Um... Are you going to say some alt right guy? No, I heard they cast uh, Adam Driver as Eddie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he could be the dog. Frazier, I, I, Fra- 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 give me, give me a treat. Give me a treat, Frazier. Frazier, Frazier. I'm composing this poetry, Frazier. I like Emily Dickinson I, a lot. Uh. Please, Mr. Kennedy. I, I heard that they cast Frederick. Frederick's going to be played by Lena Dunham. <laughs> oh, I no. actually, I heard that that was uh, that was announced too early. He's actually being played by uh, Q Shaman. And <laughs> uh, no, he's playing. He's being played by a uh, 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 piece of shit boy Spencer Breslin. So, so audience so audience. freddy 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 definitely stormed the capitol right oh yeah no martin no, 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 stormed no, no. the capitol that's where martin died <laughs> audience oh. we in our text chat we have cast and outlined the entire yeah. return of fraser including a lot of dark and, and it's fucking turns. grim it's not good uh, i personally oh, think that i support the separation of the hard border in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland because I support Brexit. I'm a working class bird from Manchester. I waited my turn to get my citizenship and they're jumping the queue. The That's European why they're in cages. Union. I do not this bow down no, to Brussels. No, no, we're not doing this. We're not. We're not making a no, worst of all possible worlds no, Frasier reboot. Now, listeners, listeners, I need you to know. You can't see it, but when they do that, they are completely dead in the eyes. <laughs> I, I don't look at myself it's as like, I do it's it. It's like so a co- can... fucking compulsion. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely dissociating. I have no memory of whenever I slip into Daphne Moon voice. 
No, it's like that new movie, The Empty Man. I'm being like a uh, uh, replaced by a Tulfa <laughs> or Tulsa. <laughs> I wanted to bring up <laughs> I wanted to, to bring up um how how <laughs> sexual harassment was just played for jokes without like a take like and that's that's throughout everything but I don't think we've really talked about it on this show not really there's a scene with bulldog in the beginning where he's oh, just yeah, he sexually yeah he's just sexually harassing Roz and like that's it that's the joke that's what's yeah. funny but she kicks him in the balls that that's true that's true I did laugh but out loud it's just when- like when he goes, I was trying to feel a kick, and then she proceeds to kick him. Yeah. <laughs> and also, she's but yeah, like, you're, oh, you're, you're just you you're just right. want to hold me because my boobs are getting bigger. Because at this point in the story, Roz is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Do you realize that 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 child is uh, twenty two years old now? Yes, terrifying. Oh wait, do you think because uh, do you think because uh, uh, John Mahoney is dead, but the lady who played uh, uh, his wife isn't that Frazier's finally going to bang her. I had the same. I had the, the same. The lady thought. who played his wife is fucking Rita Wilson. It's fucking Tom Hanks's wife. So no, it's not Rita Wilson. No. I'm, talking, I'm talking about the, who she marries. Who he marries at the end. Uh, yeah, from Just Shoot Me. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the flashback. Oh no, or no, it's no, Rita Wilson. Yeah, Rita Wilson is Frazier's mom. No, yeah. no, the lady, the lady who Frazier was banging is Frazier's mom. Uh, played by the same actress. Played by Rita Wilson. That, that's not. Rita yeah, Wilson. that's why. That's yes, why he is. ends the relationship. It one hundred percent is tough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the story. Oh, mommy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, I wanted to bring up. I cried at the end of this episode because I it it ends very sweetly. That Frazier, oh, he amazing almost, scene. He, yeah, and that guy was awesome for for like his single scene. Um, Fun so fact about that he guy. finally gets he finally gets a ride, and the guy's telling him about his like divorce and his family, and they get there. He gets there in time. But he just stays in the car and 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 is a good therapist to this man. I th- I think that's beautiful. I think it's a very sweet scene, and the guy was amazing uh, in it. Great actor. That guy is the guy who plays Bill on Succession. The guy who they try to pin the cruise ship murders on. Oh fuck! It is. Yes, he's great in that too. He's fuck. amazing. Yeah, that guy's think- amazing. I think it's a bit lazy. I think it was a schmaltzy ending. I think the more true to form ending would have been that Frazier is obviously presented with an opportunity to be valiant and stay with the man, but then he runs out to get his final curtain call, but then trips in a pile of dog shit and uh, knocks a tooth <laughs> yes. out of his mouth. <laughs> I I do I agree with you ending. that him being a good therapist was out of character for him. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'm actually on to the season of the show where he has the uh, two relationships, one with the cellist and one with the uh, uncouth lady he was friends with in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, no, he would just choose the cellist. 
this this part yeah. of the relationship where he's like, no, I love her. It's fake. It's fakey, fake okay. bullshit. Okay, so who who of Frasier's love interests would you go for? Um, Amy Brenneman. Yes. Char- only character uh, names. Faye. <laughs> Faye Moskowitz. Uh, Fabulous Faye, forever yeah. Faye. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia Madsen's character. I would Who? go Lisa Edelstein all the way. Lisa Edelstein, yeah. Ooh, which episode? Which episode was that? Where uh, they they only. What's her deal? She's she's like a crazy bohemian, and uh, she uh, they're they're yes. only together because they fuck. <laughs> they have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would go with the supermodel that he has a relationship with on the flight to Mexico, and no one believes him. <laughs> <laughs> that it happened. <laughs> and because she's a, bu- a supermodel who is also a lizard biologist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frasier's great. <laughs> it's a great show. Oh, yeah, you've come show. around. We've come around, guys. We've we've uh, made the full journey. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries All to explain right. that she's a it's, supermodel. It's time lizard for recommendations. <laughs> This this episode's getting as long as uh, coming to America. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was a fun. So one, we want to do. Do we do, do recommendations? We want to do recommendations? Oh, I realized I haven't given Tom enough work to uh, uh, record a recommendation song under me, so I got to do it now. Recommendation. I got a thing I want to say. But if you do not listen to the things I say, then you better go away, cause I think you aren't great. Go I got a recommendation for you. Terrible. Yeah, I I kinda hate it that because like you've just You've given me no creative flexibility. Like that just that's just soul glow. That was just soul glow from the original coming to America. I feel your soul glow. Add that into it. Yep. <laughs> uh Yeah, I feel like we've already tread that ground, but sure, fine. I'll I guess I'll that's homework I have now. <laughs> expect expect this episode to come out an entire 2 days later cuz I'm looking for fucking <laughs> patches online for the keyboard uh, so so i'll start because i'm fucking riled up now uh i have an anti-recommendation mm. okay uh and this, this is weird it's a weird experience i i don't i don't know if you guys have anything similar like this but maybe about five years ago four years ago uh somebody i knew recommended the show black books which is a oh british, yeah that's a that's a funny show Brit- british comedy with dylan moran bill bailey yeah yeah, yeah. And irish guy and book stories cantankerous i relate it to it being a, a irishish guy in a bookstore um justin's bill bailey clearly uh am i tamson yeah. greg you are uh <laughs> And I, I stayed up. I won't take night. that as an insult. She's funny. She's great. Uh, but I, I stayed up till f- two a.m. last night watching four episodes, waiting for it to be good. And it was just like, it was just like you didn't like the first my, episode. 
I watched the entire great. series before, and my memory of it is fond. And I watched the four episodes. I'm just like, why is my memory of this fond? This is like so no, much work. That's a funny show. Is it though? Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Go back and check. Cause like, was there like a gas leak in both our houses? Like, no, it's I a just, funny show. The the first episode where he gets beat up by the Millwall supporters. Ah, uh, it's maybe, but it's like I feel like you laugh at it like this. Ha ha! I understand why that's meant to be humorous. Like it never actually makes me laugh. I don't know. I, I feel think like it's probably still funny. I feel I like you're pretending. Ten years. You're pretending because it was a uh, BBC British show with otherwise very funny comedians, and the soundtrack sounds like Tom Waits. So you're like, oh, this must be good. Uh, but in reality, it's just kind of like, ah. it was probably still funny. I'll, I'm anyway, gonna rewatch it. It's on YouTube. I, I don't even need yeah. to get a streaming service. So uh, it was on yeah. Netflix back when I watched it. Yeah, me too, but it disappeared because I guess it was yeah. dog shit and they didn't want it to be on Netflix anymore. <laughs> so my anti-recommendation <laughs> is Black Books. Uh, Justin? Sorry, Dylan. Um, I've, got, I've got a couple. Instead of watching Black Books, I'm going to recommend a single episode of The IT Crowd. Uh, a lot of it's really great, but the episode uh, Work Outing, I won't give any spoilers, but it's it's uh, a lo- there's it's full of problematic shit. But Chris O'Dowd gives the most hilarious performance I've ever seen on television in that episode. Check it out. Uh, I've got a, a a podcast recommendation. Uh, Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen have a podcast. Yeah, global weirding continues. Yes. Now I'm working I'm not well rec- on in the factory. <laughs> I, I'm not recommending I that. What I am recommending. <laughs> what I Thank am you, recommending Barack, for putting me on this podcast. <laughs> Jesus, I didn't <laughs> think we would get this far. <laughs> What I am recommending is uh, Demi Adijawebe and uh, Kevin T. Porter of the Gilmore Guys podcast recorded a one-off parody of the Obama Springsteen podcast, and it is a true delight of just two very old friends fucking around and being silly Mm. as Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama. It is very funny. You can check it out on the Gilmore Guys uh, is it stream. Is funnier uh, than the bit we just did? It's much funnier. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty shitty. Like, that wasn't <laughs> even very good. Um, uh, rapid Fire, I think I've got a couple more. One, Promising Young Woman is uh, fucking amazing. It's an amazing movie. It's incredibly, a uh, very difficult movie. I think, it's, I think it was poorly conceived and poorly written and i think we're going to talk about it next podcast uh maybe very maybe we we might i i think it's it's a very difficult movie it's a very heartbreaking movie i think it's a movie Um, that betrays its own morals what i think it betrays its own morals Uh, what do you mean by that 
because it's a movie where her whole thing, like it's getting, it got marketed as this poppy revenge. That's thriller. true. It's not that. It's at not all. that. Where she just has epic Twitter arguments against the men that she's uh, owning. And then she lets the defense attorney off the hook and gets, spoiler alert, murdered. And then the cops get to handle everything at the end. Fucking spoiler Uh, alert. It's a movie (laughs) with a lot of holes. I I don't think there... I agree. It is a polarizing movie with with uh, and it it makes you think and it gives you strong opinions about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's it for now. I think I had a couple more things, but I think that's it. I'm going to recommend a television show. Uh, by Rick Mayall and Aid Edmondson. Uh, it was a British sitcom from the 90s called Bottom. Uh, it was after the show that they did called The Young Ones. Uh, and it was kind of a precursor to the show that I recommended the last time, Peep Show, where it's about these two sort of uh, horrible flatmates who live in squalor in a dodgy part of London. And they don't have jobs and they're constantly like scrounging for money. And wishing that women would sleep with them, even though they're disgusting, horrible people. And the end of the episode frequently devolves into, like, terrible violence between the two of them. Like, they have, like, Tom and Jerry sort of violence, uh, where they smash each other with uh, objects and electrocute each other horribly. And it's, like, one of the most accurate portrayals of, like, base, horrible misogynist worldviews that I think I've ever seen in a sitcom because like they are perpetual losers and all they can do is hurt themselves. It's great. It's a great sitcom. Great show. Sounds like a lot lot of fun for free. If you have that service, I just want to go back to promising young woman for a second. I think there is a difference between a movie's point of view slash morality and a character's point of view slash morality. Mm. So I'll just I'll just say that. We'll have that debate next podcast. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Fellas. It's oh, the end. Listen, follow us on Plaid Lads uh pod on Twitter and Instagram. But fuck it. <laughs> Email Frank, us. you had something to say. <laughs> Email us. Yes, email us. Yeah. <laughs> leave reviews on iTunes. Hey, hey, John Torog, leave us a, a review. Guy from Tunes? Guy from Tunes on Route 73? <laughs> he, for some reason, he is a diehard fan still. <laughs> What's his name? I I don't I don't feel right saying. <laughs> okay. I feel like he didn't he didn't ask for this. <laughs> Guy from Tunes, we love you. I mean, we do, but. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. C minus. I give this episode the same rating I give Coming to America. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> this was as low energy as Eddie Murphy's performance. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. 
I think it's because we did it early, which yeah. is uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, let's let's take it from the fucking top. All right, here we yeah. go. I'm Tom. Fraser Scene! All right. It's just the radio. Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? Said you'd be coming back this weekend, baby. Baby, 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 oh, baby. I love you. I really do. Loneliness is such a sad affair. Baby, oh.